Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. Sermon notes are available and they are linked in the podcast notes. This week, we begin our new worship series called Rethinking Christmas Hymns. This week, we actually begin with an Advent hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, and we explore the theme of holy anticipation. A reminder that our services are available in their entirety on our YouTube channel, which is linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you're feeling really generous, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and a review that helps us grow our audience. Lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well before they call I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not, they shall not hurt or destroy on any of my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we would enter into this season with hopeful hearts, ready to receive all that you have for us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You will uh, notice, um, let me get, sift through my inserts here. Uh, You have sermon notes today. You have the scripture as well as a handful of of lines and white space. I invite you to to, uh, uh, take your own notes as we journey through this sermon 
together. Uh, feel free to grab a pen or pencil on the, uh, uh, I think there are pencils on the seat backs. Um, I invite you to grab one of those or a, a pencil as you, a pen as you have. Um, as we journey through this message today, you do have the full scripture that was read this morning before you. You know, we've uh, arrived here at the beginning of another liturgical year, and so Happy New Year as we have entered the season of Advent. And as I mentioned last week, right, in my sermon on Christ the King, we, we close our Christian year with a steadfast reminder of who our King is, right? We're reminded of who Jesus is. And it kind of, it rounds out our Christian year and completes this narrative. And then immediately upon completing that narrative, we enter the narrative again. And we enter and head into this season of Advent. Now, many of us probably may wonder, well, what is Advent? Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, and it means coming. And it is this period on our church that is a marker of preparation, right? In our liturgical season, in our liturgical calendar, we have seasons of preparation, of celebration, and then of ordinary time. That doesn't really get a fun name. Um, and we enter these seasons of preparations as we prepare for these holy holidays. So Advent and Lent are both seasons of preparation. And they're marked by, by our color blue or purple, depending on what uh, congregation you are a part of. Some of you may have seen purple. Some of you may see blue. Uh, we have these lovely blue pyramids before us this, this season. And it is this season of both balancing this reflection on the birth of Jesus Christ with the nature that Christ has promised to come again. And we explore these themes of hope, of peace, of joy, and of love. And we encounter these characters upon the journey. We encounter Elizabeth and Zechariah. We encounter Mary and Joseph. We encounter John the Baptist. We will encounter shepherds and wise men all in this journey as we get to Christmas. Now, normally, I would fill this time with following that narrative. We would, we would read the scriptures and, and look at the characters. I've, I've even been known to do a series on contemporary works of motion pictures. However, in eight years of pastoral ministry, I've never done music, which I find odd, considering I have a degree in music, and I love music. And so what are we going to do this year? We are going to go on a journey of Advent through music. Oh, I thought you all would sing. I thought, Patty, are we not? Oh, okay, you want me to finish the sermon, then we'll sing. Perfect. All right, so we're going to do this through music, and we're going to look at traditional Christmas carols as we journey through, and we are going to revisit, rethink, reimagine. We're going to see where these carols and the stories that are told in Scripture guide us in this journey. And as we re-explore them, we read and we, sorry, as we re-explore them, we reimagine their pull on our current lives, culminating as we come together the, the Sunday after Christmas for lessons and carols as we both hear the story through scripture and through music. And so let us, let's dive into our first carol. Our first carol, actually, it's, it's not actually a Christmas carol. And, and so I'm kind of cheating the system. Uh, Lord, forgive me. Congregation, forgive me. 
Um, it, is, it is one of the very few Advent carols and Advent hymns we have in our hymnal, but I thought that it would be a good place for us to start because, after all, we are in the season of Advent, and, and really, like, you know, if, if, if some of my seminary professors were listening, they'd probably be like, you don't sing Christmas carols until Christmas. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but this seems like a great idea. So we're going to go along with it. Don't nobody call my seminary professors. We're just going to pretend like that rule doesn't exist this year. Um, but we're going to start with an Advent carol because I want us to open, to place us in the right mindset as we go through this series and to lay the foundation for the season. Because if we don't talk about this nature of Advent, we run the risk of jumping straight to Christmas. And so we have here in front of us today the hymn, Come Thou Long expected Jesus. I thought it was a great way to kick off, not because it's a great Advent hymn, but also because it's a great Charles Wesley hymn, right? I mean, we got we to gotta look at Charles. He wrote some great songs, right? And so this hymn was first published in 1744, and it was published in his publication, Hymns for the Nativity of Our Lord. Um, and so this is the trivia portion. So if you want to take notes, if you're ever in a, a, a Christian hymn trivia night, this is where you get those extra bonus points. And this is the only hymn from that 1744 publication that is still in use today. And I think it's because as we look and as we read the hymn and as we hear the hymn and as we dive into the hymn, we see this great natural progression of the themes of Advent, right? We see the hope, we see the love, we see the joy, we see the peace, and we see this great wonderment of holy anticipation in this hymn because when we enter this season, when we come into Advent, Advent is this season that celebrates the already and the not yet, right? We look at the birth, we begin to prepare our hearts for the birth of Christ that, yes, has already happened, but in the same knowledge and understanding of looking forward to the second coming. And so we turn our attention towards these apocalyptic, these, these revelatory texts as we seek to gain manner and insight of the hope that God is promising to us. And so this week, as we dive into this, we ask the question that I'm sure many of us have asked, is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? And we have start, but we've just started Advent. And you see, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that there are two kinds of people in this world, and they end up marrying each other, right? No, I'm convinced that there are two types of people in Advent. You have, the, but, but they all want Christmas to be here, so stick with me for a second, right? All right, stick with me. There are two types of people in Advent, and they both want to get to Christmas for different reasons. You have the people with the childlike longing that just yearn for Christmas to get here because they are excited about what the day means. Whether that is they're excited for the spiritual meaning of Christmas or they're excited for the physical gifts that they get at Christmas. Uh, this is a non-judgmental zone. This is a non-judgmental zone. So if people want for the physical gifts, that's fine. We're still going to teach them about Jesus, right? And so you have these people who, with childlike longing, they just they want Christmas to be here because they are excited about what Christmas means. They're excited about Jesus. They're excited about Santa. They're excited about gifts. They're just excited, and they want Christmas to get here as quickly as possible. And so they're that child in the car who's, who says, are we there yet? Right? My, my kid did that to me yesterday at least 10 times between here and Ash, Ashland and here. And then, and then, so you have those people, and then you have the other people who kind of just, they want to get beyond Christmas. They want Christmas to be over. And, and again, 
just want to say right at the top, no judgment here. But they, they, they usually have good reasons for wanting to be past Christmas. That Sometimes Christmas, they bring up grief emotions within us. And, and we just want to be past the holidays because we want to be past all the sentimentality of the holidays. Maybe they just aren't a holiday. Maybe they aren't a Christmas person. So they want to get past all the, all the commercialization and, and, and all the, the Grinch holiday stuff and the Santa Claus holiday stuff. They just want to kind of get past Christmas because they, just, they want it to be over and so for many of us, it's either getting to or past Christmas. How many of us just want to sit in this month, in this time before Christmas? Right? Not a lot of us. We either want Christmas to be here or we want Christmas to be over so that we can you know, move on and get past all the red and green and move on to the next thing. And so we ask, is Christmas here yet? In Advent... Pops through the door. No, sorry. Crashes through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. And says, hold up. I'm here. Advent. Advent is here. Don't get to Christmas yet. We got some time. Because to get to Christmas, we have to prepare for Christmas. We have to get ready. There's this sense of holy anticipation that fills this season, right? It's not Christmas yet. We have to get ready for Christmas. We've got to put up the tree. We've got to decorate the outside of our house to win our HOA's holiday lights decorations. Just me? Just me? Y'all should drive by our house at some point in time. It's not our house that looks nice. It's the neighbor's. And so we start this season in a state of holy anticipation. And as we look at a song like, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, as we dive into our scripture, we begin to see and unpack why this sense of holy anticipation builds so much, and yet that sense of just stopping, existing in the already and not yet. Right, as I was reading, I read this story about a, a former chaplain, Dale Cooper, who recalls this moment in which he was traveling home to his young family after spending the summer in Geneva. And he was calling his wife from Chicago O'Hare Airport to arrange and have him picked up in Grand Rapids when his then four-year-old son asked for the phone. And so Cooper writes that this was the, this was the interaction between him and his son. His son sighs, right? We've all heard that child sigh. <sighs> Daddy, when am I going to be where you are? Right, and the commentator goes on to say that it is this sigh of longing that we express when we sing the words of Charles Wesley's beautiful Advent hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. For though we know that Christ goes with us and before us every day, we long for the day when we are with him in all the fullness of his glory that he will bring. We long for the day when we are with him in a new heaven and a new earth, when all things are made new, and just as a four-year-old crawls into his father's arms after an extended absence, so too we long for the day when we will be at rest in Christ, enfolded in the embrace of our Savior. You see, within this, within this song is this, this longing, this desire to be in the arms of Christ. And yet as we sing it, we know that we are not quite there. And yet... There's a humbleness and patience that asks us to exist in this space as we prepare our hearts, our minds, and our spirits 
It is not Christmas yet. Some of us are probably like, well, thank goodness, because i got a lot of shopping to do. It is not Christmas yet, and there's still work to be done. And so let's take the time, and let's, let's enjoy this sense of anticipation. You know, much like this long-cherished Advent hymn, we enter this story here in Isaiah 65. In the same way that the Israelites approached it. Right, what's happening here, this is at, this is at the end of Isaiah. This is in the, the, the third section of Isaiah where the Israelites have returned to Israel after coming back and returning from the Babylonian exile. And now they're longing for this promised hope that God has offered them. And God calls and cries out to them. For I'm about to create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Right? And, and we spend the next seven verses hearing about this new heaven and this new earth. Hearing about the gloriousness of this place. Hearing how wonderful it is. And yet the Israelites listening to it. Knowing that it exists in this already and not yet space of uncomfortability. We hear God's pom- promise and pull from it these themes of holy anticipation as we think about what waits on the horizon for us, for God's kingdom, as we anticipate, as we look towards what God is promising us, and yet, as we acknowledge the work that we are still doing here on earth. Walter Bazard names these themes from this passage of joy and of life and of rewards of labor, and it is this nature that feeds into us this desire to know where God is calling us and to begin to prepare our hearts and our spirits for that place. Right? We are called with joy. As, as we look in this passage and, and the author here writing, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating. And as we look at this sense of life, as the Lord promises that no more shall there be in it In it, an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. You see, the author is trying to tell us that death becomes a marker not of sin, but but of an unnecessary evil, an unnecessary experience of the world, and that in God there is life. And it is the promised resurrection of God's nature for us to live into. And lastly, that we will experience the fruits of our labors. All that work, all that love, all that grace that we offered, we will sit and dine and experience all that God offers to us. These are the promises of God and the means by which we do the work of the kingdom both as we reside in this promised reality and as we look towards its fulfillment. And so as we listen to these words here from Isaiah, and we hear these words of, Come thou long expected Jesus. It's not just something we look forward to, but it's something we experience. It's something that builds us up now. It's something that shares, that is shared with us and that guides our time together. 
Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our sins and fears, release us. Let us find thy rest, our rest in thee. Right? Anticipation is normal. For some reason, we're never content in the present. Probably because we, we, we are always looking forward to something, right? However, we should not allow our anticipation to cause us to miss what is happening right in front of us in this moment. Or that to which God is calling us to as we prepare. We know that we are going to be united with Christ in resurrection. Amen? We know that Christ will come again. Amen? And yet we do not force it. We do not make it happen. We do not try to predict the day of the end times. Whether we, rather, we reside right here in this time. We do the work that God is calling us to do. And we look with that longing, holy anticipation to when Christ does return. That's what's at the heart of this passage, this song, and this season. Because we are waiting for a great many things. And yet, we rest and reside in the assurance that God will do God's work and that we will do our work. And we are called to be who we are right here, right now, and to live into that promised resurrection. Amen.